2: Mavericks,
0: The Movie Mavericks
2: Podcast. Movie Mavericks, speaking of fucking long, uncut European cocks, The Movie Mavericks
0: Podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. I can't wait.
3: Hey now, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of The Movie Mavericks Podcast. We are discussing Never Back Down. No, I'm, I'm sorry. We're not discussing that. It's a, it's a different homoerotic movie uh, that stars Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt lookalikes. We're going to be talking about the actual homoerotic movie starring the real Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, Jason Rugard, my co-host. What movie is that?
1: Well, it's Interview with a Vampire on today's show. And our audience, we're going to give you the choice we were never given. Uh, (laughs) That is to look at this film in a a different light here. Nearly, uh, was it 25 years, even longer now, uh, since this movie has been released. Uh, This is a very, very homoerotic film. I saw this in the theater when I was a kid, and this was a massive, massive hit in its day. Uh, Did you see this in the theater initially, or were you a home video guy on this? I did not. I
3: saw this on home video.
1: I remember this playing extremely well on a big screen. Uh, This has a great score. As you come into this podcast, you probably heard the first 30 seconds of uh, Elliot Goldenthal's score for this, Mm -hmm. which became somewhat iconic, was used for a lot of trailers in the wake of this movie coming out and doing well. Also, I feel like there's a hint of the Batman Forever theme in there, which he would go on and – (laughs) I do it taking over for Elpin. You get a little Batman vibe in there at all with kind of some of the
3: Not really, but no. uh, definitely
1: uh, end of days, you know, the Schwarzenegger film. Yeah, definitely you. that. Um this movie was sold as a Tom Cruise vehicle, but we gotta be honest, Tom Cruise is really only in the first half of this movie. This is a Brad Pitt film.
3: Yeah, the movie's clearly Brad Pitt. I mean the story is Brad Pitt's story. It's it's definitely Louis' story. You know, Lestat's kind of a, a, a character that's there, right? <laughs>
1: Right, and this uh, was very harshly received uh, when this project was in its initiation stages. Neil Jordan, the director of this, coming off of The Crying Game, uh, which was nominated for Best Director, Best Picture, uh, got the go-to here. And obviously, you can see a lot of, um, like I said, the homoeroticism in this movie, as is a running theme in all of Neil Jordan's films. Uh, But it's very much in the vampire tradition of what they're about and, and how they're portrayed in the films. Uh, especially after this movie.
3: Well, yeah, ever since Aunt Anne Rice's book, Interview with the Vampire, it's something to be said that this book at this point is about 20 years old when they finally get this movie made. Yeah. Um, so the book is uh, you talk about 25 or 20 mo- years for this movie. The book's 40 years old.
1: Yeah. So this was and this was a long gestating project. Uh, when this was announced, the casting Rice had a very public outcry that she was dismayed that they had um, cast the diminutive Tom Cruise. In and it makes words. sense.
3: Well, she was Uh, upset about all the casting, right? Antonio Banderas as well looks nothing like the character uh, that he's supposed to be playing in the book. Uh, But they killed it, right? The the entire cast, you have to admit, kills this movie. And I think the strongest performer
1: in this movie is a young Kirsten Dunst, who is outstanding in this movie. Maybe one of the best child performances ever committed to film. Yeah, I
3: would agree. I mean, it's it's, – yeah. I I mean, hands down, everyone's uh, great in this. And as much as – I mean – as much as she didn't like the Antonio Banderas thing, it, it works so well in this movie. Finally, he meets a vampire and uh, and it's like Dracula, you know, and it's for whatever reason, just visually it works. Absolutely. Especially during that segment. We'll get into that in our second when
1: we come, uh, second segment of the show. We break down the story. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts on that. What I do want to ask you here is this. Does it play as well for you today as it did back then?
3: Yeah, actually, I thought it played better for me today. I, I thought it played a little weaker today, to be honest with you. Really? I'm going to disagree because there are no, because, and I'll tell you right now, this movie doesn't get made today. Oh, movies no. today are so weak as compared to this. Um, and that's really what made this work for me was that it's so different um, and daring really in, in what it does. Particularly so, violent as well. Yeah. When compared to today's movies, um, yeah, emotional and but emotionally violent, you know, the kind of violent that, that really works. Uh for something uh, you know, that's rated R. This movie has elements of horror
1: as well, and
3: uh, cool. some scenes that are uh, very kind of fast and
1: shocking, and uh, the, the music goes well with it, and it's a blending of genres all, all around. Uh, this movie did gain notoriety before it even came out during its premiere when Oprah Winfrey walked out during the first 20 minutes due to mm-hmm. violence, they say. She never said exactly what it was that made her walk out, but she did later view the movie in its entirety and then eventually had Cruz and a young Brad Pitt on her show to promote the film, so... All was forgiven much before the couch jumping incident with Cruz and Oprah Winfrey, um, but I think that <laughs> unfairly tarnished the movie. But also, you know, as a teenager when this came out, kind of gave it a, a badge of coolness in a way. You know, this was the summer or this was the fall right after we had The Crow, um, which was mm-hmm. kind of a gothic horror film, which we, or, you know, kind of gothic action horror, which this looked in the vein of. And uh, really, Brad Pitt's star was on the rise because Legends of the Fall, a few months earlier, was really. Pushing him into the public's mind, and then you had Cruz, who probably was at his, you know, his peak stage here, uh, star wise, and well, to get these two together, that's that's a mm-hmm. huge, huge uh, commitment from both these guys, and really on Cruz's part to allow this younger guy to come in with this mo- and take the movie in a lot of ways. And this is his, his story. I mean, I'm,
3: supporting. I'm going to say that I agree with you, but this is something that Cruz has done uh, since then, right? He he's not this is just why Tom Cruise is so great. I, I think so professional and as not only that, but just a, an awesome actor. Uh, he just gets in there and gets the job done. And he's not worried about, you know, which part uh, he's taking. He's worried about making a good movie, which
1: shows in the quality of projects. I always was said that when you see a Tom Cruise movie, it's almost like a stamp of approval is on it. You know, that there's a certain quality you're going to get at that you know, with the story wise and all those kind of tangibles that you can get to make a good movie. Um, this movie particularly, I think, uh, with Cruz, it it shows that he is let's be honest Brad Pitt's acting in this is it nearly as solid as it would be later on in his career he's still I know
3: that's the one thing right you have to admit that this is definitely young Brad Pitt right I mean it's cringe so, when he
1: watches this in some scenes I,
3: I almost do it's, it's kind of like watching young George Clooney you know before they've really kind of figured it out you're like oh god really And in, in watching some scenes you feel like uh, Cruz having been in the business at
1: this point is almost like the varsity guy and yeah. he's helping out the junior varsity guy on the team and helping him find his way and try to guide him and without Cruz's presence in this movie this first hour of this film is uh is lost because he is basically the first hour of this movie
3: yeah well he's the introduction to the vampire world really or you know, louis um and i i guess really christian slater's real introduction to the vampire world and he's the truth of what being a vampire really is like right and louis is is kind of the lie
1: Let's also not forget that Christian Slater was late coming to this movie because River Phoenix was slated to be yeah. in that role, and he unfortunately died um, just shortly before this filming took place. Although I do think that Slater is good in that role as well.
3: Yeah, it's really not very. It, you know, it's not an important role, so it really doesn't matter. He doesn't really do much. Right, um, but yeah, he but was Christian on the- Slater is just it seems like he would be a kind of a guy that would follow people around and then just. Half-hazardly interview them <laughs> he's 90s cool he does seem like that, like that. Right? yeah it's like all right i, I guess i'll buy this
1: <laughs> well, let's take a quick break and let them listen to the trailer for 1994's interview with a vampire we'll come back and break down
2: the story so you want me to tell you the story of my life i'll tell you my story i'll tell you all of it
1: i'm flesh and blood but not human I haven't been human for 200 years. From the novel by
0: Anne Rice. From Neil Jordan, the director of The Crying Game. I've come to answer your prayers. Life has no meaning anymore, does it? His name is Lestat. What if I could give it back to you? Pluck out the pain and give you another life. One you could never imagine see you lying on a bit of satin he chose
1: one man he gave him infinite power eternal life and a daughter who would be forever young this is the only real evil left
0: and then he took
1: And we're back with a story breakdown for you guys. Uh, Rewatching this, I love that initial opening Panning shot into San Francisco, above the bridge, uh, you know, and just
3: the movement of that. It immediately gets you in the mood for this, doesn't it?
1: And mood is the great word for it because this is a a mood that is set early and maintained. I mean, this is unforgiving in its mood and atmosphere.
3: This is sweeping uh, cinematography and just, you know, the the filmmaking plays into every emotion of of the character. And you kind of feel everything that everyone is going through in this movie and every aspect of it. You know, you get the sense that these people are just really sad. I mean, we say this is homoerotic, but really the thing is, even from Lestat's point of view, is they're just fucking lonely. And it starts in darkness. I
1: mean, the first shot is a dark, you know, he talks about never seeing the blue of the ocean again. You see a black ocean, you know, it's a, I'm from the Bay Area, obviously, so I I understand also the implications of San Francisco, where, you know, it's a very sexually liberal city and, you know, homosexuality is very welcome. So setting the story there too goes with the, homoerotic vibes that neil jordan is setting up immediately Um, you see two men in a hotel room and you're you're kind of what's going on here but i love the narrative bookends and the breaks with i love the fact that he's being interviewed and telling you a story it's not necessarily a flashback it's a retelling to somebody that doesn't know and slater is really uh, us the audience the skeptical party you know is this guy full of shit what's going on here and he's The substitute for the audience, I've always felt. Yeah. And
3: that's that's short lived, of course,
1: almost immediately. (laughs) I love the fact that uh, this movie has the Iowa, you know, digital or the tape recorder, because I had an Iowa. Oh, yeah. The AIWAs, (laughs) the Awas. Yeah. And we talk about 90s, 80s right there. Um, And this movie has 90s bad hair everywhere. This is that grungy 1990s dirty look. Everybody's got the extensions in and uh, just that grunge look (laughs) look in full effect
3: here. I I think it works because everyone looks a little sickly.
1: <laughs> uh, I but I think those, those opening moments with Pitt and Slater, mm-hmm. uh really the scene where he does the light switch, you know, where he kind of sure, moves faster, very quickly, yeah. That sets it immediately that this guy is not um some sort of just a joker. And I think that the movie from that point on takes a yeah, exceedingly so serious tone.
3: It's uh it's really great. They don't they don't mess around, they just get right into it, you know, and he's not really interested in being showy or anything. He's just interested in doing enough to say uh, there's your proof, you know, now do you want to hear the story or not? You know, he's not really interested in going into uh how cool being a vampire is uh because he doesn't think it's very cool. And then he goes right into his backstory and we're taken uh, into
1: the Mississippi Louisiana territory um over there. It, it it's unbelievable right away that he says he had lost a wife and child, and almost mm-hmm. immediately he's going to get a new family. Uh, you know, Lestat as a substitute wife or, or companion, if yeah. you will, and the child of Claudia. As so, he's regiven given a family in a certain way that he'll have. It's not exactly longer. immediate, though. <laughs> no, but it, but it's longer than he ever had his.
3: his the movie's mom. a slow burn, right? I mean, it does feel slow to you too, right? I mean, it's I chock movie... full of the, every scene is just uh, you know beautifully chock full of. of, of Lots of stuff But very it's lyrics. a slow moving Yeah it's a slow moving plot I would say I, I would say that if The there's second a plot hour wall. to
1: me uh, when, they, when they rid themselves of Lestat Even though how much uh, I like Cruz what he's doing there, to, I think it to becomes, France Yeah I just think it becomes More interesting when you see how uh, The vampires are living in Paris In the Antonio ben But ben it's Harris so America.
3: necessary Isn't it to go through the, the, What he did through uh, With Lestat To finally get to that point You almost I don't know There's no point of this Was I ever bored Even though I will say it's slow no, because
1: it's it's a full story. It has to be because where it starts, how they acquired. It's characters. just a great. It's a great world, and it's so uh, fleshed out. It's a great adaptation from a book. I mean, I, I read the book uh, after I saw this movie because I, I, I didn't as so well. Much. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't. I mean, I, I don't dislike the book. I think it's better written than the Twilight books or stuff like that. But um, I didn't care for it as much as I liked this movie. I thought this mm-hmm. adaptation was beautiful. Um, just. Script wise and production design and cinematography, like you said, all the acting is, is just so on point there. But I do think that that first hour, uh, A, it's more violent because of the the initial. It just makes me a little bit more uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. It just, I feel a little. Uh, the beginning? A little, with the whole, stat? Yeah, the whole first 30 minutes or so, I feel mm-hmm. a little ill at ease until they pick up Claudia and she
3: starts killing people uh, in the house. You know, it almost becomes like a little joke. It's almost, yeah, it becomes fun, right, at that point. And that's when you kind of. But isn't that. Uh, Kind of the same thing that Louie's going through, right? He's kind of horrified and, and grossed out by Lestat, really, who just doesn't give a shit. You know, he's he's kind of that's who he is. I, it almost gives you the idea that Lestat was an asshole before he became a vampire, doesn't it?
1: Well, there's a line later when the Antonio Banderas uh, character, I can't recall yeah. that vampire's name, says to him, you know, I knew Lestat and yeah, nobody were him." you know, i yeah, nobody's going to mourn him, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, he had an interaction with him. And, and so the thing that this movie has a, a huge theme of the new age and the old age, you know, of people being stuck in a decadent, dying society and the people that are ready to move on as well. And Lestat is is still stuck, has no idea um, how to move forward. And you see that at the end of the film, you know, especially yeah, he when, doesn't when, really want to. He likes the old ways of doing. Yeah, things.
3: he's good being who he is. Yeah. And he, especially at the end of the movie when he's still wearing the same clothes that he was when the movie opened.
1: Uh, right. And it doesn't know about false light movies. Yeah, it does doesn't, it doesn't like that. give a
3: shit. You know, he's happy being who he is. Uh, do you think this movie loses its
1: steam when Cruz goes away? Because he really only is in the first hour.
3: No, I don't. Um, I mean, it, as you said, it, it's this movie is never not interesting. Even, um, you know, after Claudia leaves, it's still good. Um, I'm just, uh, the world is so fantastic. And there are moments in this uh, uh, watching the vampire theater alone. That could mm-hmm. be a short movie alone in itself. Um, and it's just so fantastic. I mean, how do you it, it, understand this is a movie where you have vampires who. Are blown away by the violence that other vampires do. You know they're disgusted right along with you. Yeah, he keeps saying, and, but they've done. Yeah, they've done things just as horrible earlier on in the movie. And here they are watching this uh, vampire theater, and they're just uh, kind of blown away by it. And, and so was I. I mean, the balls on these vampires, right? That's
1: why it becomes scary because you're in the presence of this true evil. When oh. he says it's, it's vampires pretending to be humans, it's pretending insane. to be vampires, yeah. you know. It's he keeps saying monstrous, monstrous. And like you said, that. Uh, that sequence right there, as, as a you know younger guy in a movie theater, that was a very intense sequence.
3: I loved that sequence, yeah. and the movie, like the whole but movie the whole movie, is like that, right? I mean, Lestat's death is very similar. It's so the whole thing's oh. staged theatrically, and that's just a moment oh, when they amazing.
1: get to, you know go over the top, especially that shot. It's an overhead shot where the the kind of virginal girl is given to the hordes, and they all and dive they all in jump on
3: her. on her. Oh god, uh, I it, know that's ingrained in my
1: memory. It's the stuff of nightmares, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it really is. And those are some beautiful images that Jordan and I think Neil Jordan, you know, I've been kind of harsh on my say, saying his movies have a homoerotic undertone and this and that. But he was the absolute right choice for this production.
3: Oh, God. Yes. Obviously, it, if you look at the movie,
1: <laughs> if you want to see this, uh, you know, or similar material handled, you know, terribly, watch the quasi sequel Queen of the Damned, which has its, few it's pleasures horrible, here or there. Horrible
3: movie. Though. But it,
1: <laughs> it's got a few guilty pleasure moments, I think, because I won because of Leah, it, you know, it's her last thing but that's just a strange story too with with Lestat becoming a rock star and and all that but that's just once again something that's not taken as much care or attention to detail as this was and this is just a better story and rice you gotta give her credit I mean it reminds me
3: if I were to compare these to two other uh, movie and a sequel I would say 2001 and 2010 you know yeah the big a big difference in quality
1: yeah and, and expected quality too you know you go into right 2010, you know, I can't live up to it. And I felt the same when I saw Queen of the Dam. Maybe that's why I was a little bit kinder to it when it first came out. Because I do like the character of Lestat. Mm-hmm. I, I particularly think he's a, an interesting. But no one's played him better. I don't think you can play the character better. I think that Cruz brings yeah. a level of, like I said, the varsity guy that, that came in there and said, this is how I'm going to give the take on it. And he's effeminate. He's, he's comical. He is intimidating. I mean, mm-hmm. all these things. And there's also a, a pupil mentor thing going on there. And toward, at the end, when he sees him again, He says, "You know, maybe ask Louis. Maybe you can help me go out and and show me to help venture out because he needs that.
3: He's definitely um, overshadowed the stat at that point. Louis has. He's definitely lived as a vampire long enough to where he really doesn't need him.
1: I love the the very end." Um, Though when Lestat pops back up, but yeah. I think that's more for <laughs> comical effect because uh-huh. how would he know how to drive if he never ventures out? And doesn't know about helicopters. But how do you even get there? I mean,
3: right. yeah. And it was what he he only needed one more drink of blood, then he was perfectly fine. Like yeah, why did was, why didn't he do that earlier? You know? Yeah. I feel like that was attacked on ending, but in in the movie ending, but it works. It works. Yeah, it really does work, and it's just kind of because it's that last little dot. Uh, on the end of of, of, a, of a of a story, really, it's just that it's it's ending. It feels very li- literature, Oli. I don't even know how you would say it. It feels like a book ending, doesn't it? Yeah, in this movie does have you know that completes the story there
1: with the Christian mm-hmm. Slater character, and I love that the Christian Slater character is seduced by the story, and Lewis says you know says it well, might fail is. once again, right. He doesn't understand the pull of it because he's the person that really wasn't pulled to it. He's the only one that was trying to live off rats and and non-human life. Mm -hmm. You know, even Claudia couldn't help herself. Uh, And a lot of the things that were set in this movie, I want to say, like, are are quote-unquote ground rules for other vampire tales, like the underground vampire society. You can't – the the biggest thing to do against a vampire is to kill a vampire. And that's like the mortal sin and uh, some of these things that other things like True Blood and Twilight have taken on. Yeah, I know.
3: Exactly. Especially True Blood. This was – anne rice definitely is kind of the mother of the of the modern vampire I mean, for yeah. sure
1: and uh this is uh you know we'll we'll go actually let's take a quick break here let's let our listeners listen to siskel and ebert debate about vampire and we'll come back and give our thoughts on it
4: i'm roger ebert of the chicago sun times and i'm gene siskel of the chicago tribune our first film is the eagerly awaited interview with a vampire and now it's finally time to Put aside the controversy, the author of the book Anne Rice originally complaining about the casting of Tom Cruise, then reversing herself. Oprah Winfrey walking out during the first reel because of the blood. And now, let's review the movie, which I mostly liked. And why? because it really is about vampires, about what they think and feel and see. Cruz is a little hard to accept at first, but he settles into the part, or maybe we just get used to him. What seems gratuitous in the film, maybe the part that Oprah walked out on, are some early biting scenes involving Louisiana slaves. We feel like we've seen this before. I haven't really shown you the best part of Interview with a Vampire, and that's the production design of the French locations and the whole concept, and it's a fabulous concept, of an underground vampire society and the many quiet moments in which Lestat and Louis, the two vampires, talk about what it means to really be a vampire this is an ambitious film by crying game director neil jordan he's trying to encapsulate both the movie myth of vampires as well as the passion the human passion of anne rice's psychological approach and he mostly makes it all work
2: yes he mostly does and i agree with you about those scenes in paris especially that underground catacomb set fabulous which you know one of the reasons we go to the movies is to occasionally see something that really it makes your jaw drop and that scene is just wonderful because it implies in a sense this ancient society of vampires and how long this has been going on. Sure. Uh, I also, I think probably like Tom Cruise more than you did. It wasn't that I had to get used to him. I, I saw did. him the first time I saw him. I said, "Well, it is Tom Cruise." But on the other hand, he did a, you know, he did a wonderful job of of looking like Lestat and acting like Lestat. And I think this is an actor who is so clean cut in his everyday image, that whenever he does something like this, we're almost saying he can't do it,
4: and then he pulls it off. I think he's an extraordinary young actor. Oh, I think he's a terrific actor. I'm just saying I I felt I saw him pushing the part a little bit at the top, then I got relaxed.
2: If I had a criticism of the movie, uh, the thing that I liked the best was the mood. Of course. The look and the mood and the relationships. If I had a criticism, it's that not really very much happens. It's more like an interview with a real vampire and a look at the real vampire society well,
4: I, than it is a story. Well, what, but what I like is the fact that uh, this is a guy, hey, you want to know what it's all about? Well, here's what it's all about. Here's, and, and this notion that this world exists, they made that world, that underground world, come alive. Well, of course, the opening title at the bottom, it said The Vampire
2: Chronicles. I wonder if that kind of is a hint. That more coming? going
4: to get more sequels.
2: All right,
1: we're back now with you guys, and I totally agree here with Siskel that this is a movie about vampires, and that's why it Mm -hmm. works. It shows the society. It shows what they're thinking, how they move. It doesn't use it like Twilight does to be a Romeo and Juliet type
3: situation. Let me ask you something. If it didn't have the gore and the violence level that it did, do you think it would still work? No, I think it needs that to shock you, especially in that first act. I really think that it's super helpful. It really opens you up as well uh, emotionally and kind of prepares you – uh to feel you know bad for people in this um especially feeling bad for people who are bad people you know it's 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 weird to say that cuz louis really not a very good person no he killed the little girl even though he's the kind of the best vampire that there is he's yeah he's not good i mean he could easily go kill himself right but he doesn't do that um so yeah i i mean i agree i think it's uh and great use of special effects as well, I thought in this movie, um, very subdued, but at the same time, uh, like just really neat looking. And, the, and when I mean, when they kill the stat and uh, it's essentially an animatronic, but it, tell me that's not creepy as fuck. 100 percent. Oh, my
1: God. I think even the the blue lines in the forehead that they're digitally manipulating here and there. Did yes. you Notice that. I mean, I thought that was very cool. Yes. Um, I also thought that there was one green screen shot that's you know, startlingly obvious or to me obvious when. Uh, Lewis and Claudia are standing there looking at the burning banks of the Mississippi. Yes, but leaving.
3: did that not did not uh, the grandeur of, of, of the sets in this, in this and this and when that burning scene, when he burns down his, his uh, mansion, I mean, gone with the wind. 100% And then there's a oh shot At the end of
1: the movie Did you notice that still shot Where he's in the theater And he's talking to, there's a, At the very uh-huh. last end of the movie And he's watching Tequila sunrise yes. And he's talking about it There's a yeah. shot Of Gone with the Wind And yeah. Technicolor glory Of the sky And I thought Okay there's the throwback To what you've been doing With the plantation And, and whatnot And I like that they even Throw in at the beginning um, The plantation And the, the kind of voodoo culture Of the slaves That are praying yeah. for them Like they don't want To take it over They just they want to help The master uh, Rid themselves of this, this Horrible person That's with them They like their guy
3: um yeah i agree there were several moments did you notice the uh accidentally shaky camera movements i didn't i
1: thought I, actually yes an overhead shot where it followed him out of the it was an overhead pan i noticed there were several of
3: them. of them um there was one where the guy uh walks on the ceiling when santiago when he first meets him and he walks up uh, underneath the bridge that. yeah i know and as as the you know set is turning obviously because we all know how they do that now um the camera is very very shaky uh, but it, it also reminded me like uh, all the camera moves in this is obviously this is 1994 um they don't digitally smooth everything out like in today's movies and you don't really notice it so much but everything is so just crystal smooth it's, like all the camera movements everything is so smooth even when they do shaky cam like it's right. it's like it's like shaky on purpose so it's still it smooth imperfections in this but one. this is just yeah like you can tell there's a dude that has his hand on the fucking camera and he's moving it around. You know, and it, I to me, I don't know. I it adds to it. I don't know. Th- does it work for you? It really works for me. I love it.
1: Yeah, it didn't bother me at all. I mean, I noticed that. I thought, well, that must be an effect for uh, you know, for cause and effect. And I noticed that it was just kind of a little shake there. And I only noticed it that one time. I didn't catch it as many times as you did, but it didn't bother me at all. I just thought this is how movies were done. You know, this is back when they had to start the
3: dolly pull. It right feels now, like know? someone's yeah. It feels like someone's in charge. Like this is yeah, it's touched in by in human fact, hands. a, a movie that, that you're sort of watching, product. yeah. Yeah, nowadays it's very much they want to do like a like it's like you're looking through a window, but I don't know. I like feeling like you know someone actually worked on this. I don't yeah. agree though with Siskel saying that it took a while to get used to Cruise in this role. I don't agree. With I that. understand what he meant by that because it does. It is jarring when you first uh, see him, especially in the get-up and stuff, because you just feel like such um, a modern actor. Yeah, and you feel like oh god, like he like it does feel like he's trying a little too hard. Um, but it's like immediately you realize, oh shit, no, he's not, you know, but he's Tom Cruise, and some people, some actors have just that, that thing about them where you just don't take them seriously. We, I talked a little bit about Leonardo DiCaprio with this as well. And, uh, and I I think that, uh, Siskel says basically the same thing I would say about Leonardo DiCaprio is that you just don't believe that he can play these roles. Um, and then he fucking knocks it out of the park every single time. You're like, my God, why did I ever doubt him?
1: Right. It's called range and it's got it here. I mean, this is like. Uh, just a fantastic here. they were really going apeshit over the catacomb set i guess because i've seen it's that kind of set, though. it is beautiful but i think i've seen that kind of reincarnation mm-hmm. thing in so many movies since then yeah that it lost a little bit of its grandeur but the whole movie like you said was a great way it's such a grandeur.
3: tall set though um it's a
1: massive set my but god <laughs> i thought the, the the theater of the vampire sets a beautiful oh, set with those columns and whatnot so
3: beautiful yeah
1: And I thought a lot of that was taking their cues from, you know, Nosferatu and those kind of uh, classic vampire movies Mm -hmm. that had come before. And it's easy to watch this movie now and I think discount some of these things they've taken it so much.
3: But you you mentioned Queen of the Damned and whatnot. Um, You know, isn't that kind of the problem with with modern day vampire movies is that they just don't have that, um, I don't know, gothic look to them, right? They They just just miss that kind of that kind of feeling that, that is so steeped in vampire lore.
1: They just feel like wannabes. They feel like miniseries. I mean, they're all an analogy mm-hmm. for a different story. And this just felt like a family tale that was a really fucked up family tale. <laughs> Whereas, like I said, Twilight feels like Romeo <laughs> no, you're and Juliet. Right. It does. And things like that, mm-hmm. you know, that are just using the vampire guys to, to mask that it's stealing from a different story. Whereas this felt like a complete story. This man was on his way. To... I love when he says that I had an invitation out there and it could have been the hooker by my side, the pimp behind me, and yeah. he said a vampire took it. And it shows the editing in that sequence alone is gorgeous. Some of the mm-hmm. editing in this movie is frighteningly effective. Uh, and there's there's moments of bliss oh, yeah. here. You know, when he gives her uh, the little present after they've killed the stat for the first time, and they think that they're on their own. He opens the door, and then uh, Cruz kind of comes through and grabs his neck. That's a great mm-hmm. sequence right there. It happens again later when they convert claudia's new companion and the the vampires from the show break in so there's these moments of like minute bliss that they're able to achieve and it's destroyed once again by the choices that they've made earlier in the film and that keeps happening throughout this movie and i, find, I think that makes the movie interesting because you're always wondering okay everything they do is it gonna like when does that come back to haunt them because that keeps happening throughout mm-hmm. the movie um, and i like that he that claudia even though she that Louis was the one that turned her. She feels kindred towards him. You know what I mean? He is technically the one that turned her.
3: Yeah. I don't know that, that whole turn from, from Lestat to Louis, as far as Claudia is concerned, I didn't really work for me. A little too um, fast. Yeah. Cause she's so like Lestat's pupil and just, she's so evil. And then all of a sudden she's a little girl again. And it kind of felt like, I don't know, maybe a misstep. I, I mean, to me, it felt like she was hitting vampire puberty in a way, you know, she was becoming an adult. Right. Uh, and they made mention right before this happens, right, is, is when she realizes, you know, what she's like 30 years old, she still looks like she's, you know, eight. Um, and, and then finally, she has this kind of awakening where she wants to be an adult, you know, she wants to be able to do the things that adults do. She's tired of fucking dolls. Um, but at the same time, does that, would that make her nicer? I, I just don't understand why suddenly she's nicer. And really Louis at this point isn't, is no nicer than her or stat, right? They're just killing people still. They don't care. Yeah. Louis just, you know, refuses to kill anybody. He's just, oh, know, he's like st- he is killing people at this point. Right. And when they go to France and when they go on the boat over, they're killing people. That's very and when true. When they go to France, they're killing, he's killing people at this point. He's not no longer feeding off of rats. He's.
1: You know, he's he's ah, beyond it. Right. He's ready they, to that, that plague that they said took everyone. And that's kind
3: earth. of that that settling in like they they kind of, I don't know, settle in, I guess, which, you know, plays into the ending. You know, you don't want to be a vampire. You know, Chris Slater, he's like, ah come on, you, you'll be up here for a reason. He's like, uh, no, you don't get it. But it's like, who don't get what? I mean, you're just why are you going through? Why is he going through the motions? Like, what makes Louie tick? I really don't quite <laughs> understand it. <laughs> Well, he is kind of a bitch. He's not really upset movie. anymore, is he? Because he's still killing people. He's he's kind of like set into it. And if that's the case, um, you know, I mean, fuck. I mean, I'm with Lestat at the end of this, you know, shut the fuck up. But <laughs> I love that
2: line.
1: I mean, honestly, that's my favorite part of that last sequence when he kills the Christian Slater character. Um, and he says, you know, God, you're still whining. Again. Yeah. You know, after all, you have done this for centuries uh, and you feel that way at the end of this movie that, you know, he's kind of. Like I said, like, it's almost like the grunge factor. Like, I'm just so beautiful and sad. Yeah, and I can't exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> the stat's like, movie. fuck off. Yeah, that is is like Cruz. And he's like, fuck this. Let's, you know, And you feel the need for speed, buddy. Let's get on yeah. with it. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, there was for years talk that uh, Cruz and Pitt didn't get along during this movie. And I think that could have been for a number of reasons. They, they tried to reunite as of recently as last year in Joseph Krasnowski's film that didn't get made about two race car drivers. Mm -hmm. And I I would love to see them reteam on something in their career because they're both such strong actors that have such a different screen presence about them. They they each have their own kind of uh, magnetism going on in in a different way.
3: I agree. And they've both come so far at this point. Um, They're both really good. So, yeah. Yeah. Seeing them in something together now would be great. Uh, The little ticks that they both have are completely gone now.
1: Uh, it's it particularly Pitts. I mean, this, like I said, this was a growing film for him.
3: Uh, this was, I mean, seven, I think as well was a great fact. Cause he's, he's pretty ticky in seven.
1: Yeah. Especially when he loses it at the end, you know, I, I feel like that's a, a pretty weak scene for him for what's going on in that movie. Whenever you watch it, that scene always feels less yeah. impactful because of his moaning and bitching. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I do think though, you know, around, I'm going to take a lot of shit for this one, but around meet Joe black he uh, really started dialing it Michio in. Mitchell Black
3: it's, is a good-ass movie. I, know, I, I don't I, know I what you're talking about. I talking the only about. ones that think that, cause <laughs> whenever I say
1: that, I can't do a street face, because I
3: just think of him eating
1: that peanut butter and making that dumb fucking grin. But, uh, but Anthony know,
3: Hopkins me, is awesome in that. Even Claire Forlani is good. I mean, come the on. The
1: score, the cinematography. Yeah, I the go score is Mich- great. We might have to do a retro on Mitchell <laughs> Black at some point. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I thought this was interesting that this is the second cruise movie we've done a retrospective, and uh, you picked one with Andy Newton, and I picked one with
3: yeah. <laughs> She's Andy Newton's in this one too. I uh, know yeah. there's a lot, a lot of little people. Same things popping up here, although it oh, yeah. is the time period. So, and this
1: was a uh, this is uh, that that 90s. I just feel when I see this, I go, "This is a studio release in the 90s." That was just uh, totally a balls to the wall loop. But somebody. it feels
3: a bit and I haven't seen uh, yet, but it feels kind of like what's happening with Deadpool right now. Irreverence, you know, people are, are being amazed that there's a rated R movie um, that's actually good. It's not the irreverence. It's that they use, you know, the filmmaking or that they use what's available to them correctly. Right. That's well said. You know, I mean, that's what this is all about. It's telling a story and telling it well. It doesn't have to be rated R. It doesn't have to be rated PG thirteen. It should be whatever the hell it, sh- it needs to be, right? It's kind of something that's more fluid, I guess. You know, nowadays they they, they make movies obviously all PG thirteen so they can make money. You know, it's it's all monetary. This movie clearly, you know, not a money based thing. You know, it only it cost sixty million dollars back in nineteen ninety four, which is, you know, not cheap. But it certainly isn't wild.
1: Well, there's not a whole lot of action in this film, a whole lot of. Uh, uh, but
3: the sets and uh, special effects and stuff. Yeah. I mean, sets, especially. Stuff. Yeah, Especially in 94. I love that graveyard kind of set, especially when the
1: statue. Looks oh, out God.
3: Out. Every out. single set in this movie is amazing. If the world looked like this. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Even the costumes, God. you know, when they get the top hats on and they're. Um, and they're moving, and there is some wicked humor that runs through this movie. I like the scene yeah. uh, where Louis kills the gal's poodles. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. that was you know very clever in that scene and things like that. He refused to kill the the old chick, and then he and then you know Lestat comes and just snaps her head. Doesn't even take the time to kill her; just snaps her fucking neck, and well, she's uh, screaming. Yeah, I mean those the moments like that in this movie just keep bringing you back to the fact that these guys are not to be fucked with. <laughs> but uh, another sympathetic no. movie about unsympathetic characters, but somehow they make these characters interesting and. Uh, you know, that does have an impact when the little vampire who's killed numerous dozens and dozens of people, the girl, uh, is killed. And somehow you do feel bad. I mean,
3: at that point, they've transitioned her into a, a person, I guess you would say. I don't know. Someone that you cared about. Someone who is vulnerable. They've taken the time to, to do that. Yeah. yeah. And so her death uh, actually hits you. Um Yeah. And it's such a vulnerable thing. Although I wonder... When that scene happens, um, like they're wearing huge dresses, why don't they get under the dress? I
1: thought the exact same then, thing.
3: And I thought maybe they, so the UVs but, go but through they the of They kind of <laughs> fix that because then when you see them, when he, when Louis finally gets in there, the dresses are also ash. So that's when you right. think, well, you know, did Bill, how would that happen? My only thought on that would be that it's because they burned, so the dresses burned. But again, you know, I would have tried. Wouldn't you have tried to get under the dress?
1: I would have hit a little bit harder than they did. Shit, I would have gotten
3: out of that dress. They, they just kind of took
1: it standing up, you know? Um, So all these years later, catching up with it. I mean, I honestly haven't seen this movie in easily 20 years. Uh, you recommend? it? I've
3: only seen this on VHS, so it was neat to watch it in widescreen. Oh, yeah, although, it looked
1: beautiful in HD.
3: Yeah, it did. Uh, although I tell you, uh, VHS, even watching this in full screen, and I've seen it a lot in VHS, so I really knew I could tell the difference between the shots. Um. It plays equally as well it's such a good movie. it does I don't think it matters what format you watch this in it's going to be great.
1: yeah it reminded me of Heat, which I used to see on VHS full scan uh, full screen and that was a great movie, even though it was missing sixty yeah. percent of the picture, <laughs> which makes it beautiful. <laughs> this is still a great movie, you know yeah I understand totally what you're saying and this had to be one of the most selling uh, v- VHS oh, because God. everybody yes. this. I mean girls loved this fucking movie yeah. when I was in high school uh, and it's a movie that it, it, characters are constantly grabbing each other's faces and they look as if they're they whisper away from kissing anything else. Like, it happens repeatedly. And you're like, my goodness. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, I get the, I get the implied message there, buddy. <laughs> uh, but no, I do recommend this to anyone out there that even was thinking about revisiting it. I think it holds up after all these years. I think it does yeah, play definitely. just a bit less intriguing than it used to, but maybe that's because I've seen so many imitators in its wake that uh, I'm just kind of burnt out on vampires and zombies at this point.
3: I think it's a a breath of fresh air at this point for vampires. Uh, I mean, this, uh, this reminded me why uh, I liked vampires in the first place.
1: I'll say that. Yeah. I remember why I thought these guys were cool. Even these actors, I thought after this movie, you know, Brad Pitt, Christian Slater, Tom Cruise, these guys are so cool um, because this was kind of a cool. We don't give a fuck characters, the outlaw characters, immortal outlaws. I mean. Stay exactly. young. It's all the cool I'm stuff. just
3: glad to be seeing morphing used again as a special effect. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Like I figured yeah. out that? Oh, we can morph things? Oh, let's morph stuff. And then
1: it started showing up in music videos right after. Exactly. Well, we want to thank you all for joining us on this special retrospective podcast of Interview with a Vampire. I sure had a good time going back and checking it out. We've done two Tom Cruise movies in a row. We promised we won't do a third one on the next retro podcast. We'll be back with you guys next week with a regular podcast. And the following week, we'll have a special movie podcast in the retrospective form again. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks.
0: Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to MovieMavericks.com, Warp
4: 9. Engage!
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?